I, lo- I love how you just fantastic. make that so sound so simple, Tucker. <laughs> like, yeah, we just we did we did this. We deployed some stuff on PowerCLI, and we just moved an entire data center. Powerful new technology. Cloud migration. Fully integrated system. HCX. And today we're delighted to announce. Welcome to the HCX Majors Podcast, episode 13, lucky number 13 for Wednesday, June 8th, 2022. Live from Indiana, I'm Britton Johnson. Straight up north, coming in hot now, Kofi from Calgary. <laughs> and from California, this is Francis Wong. Welcome, everybody. It's uh, so I, I totally screwed up our last podcast recording and I said the wrong episode number on the intro. And so I have to get the count right now. We're at number 13 officially. So congratulations to us on on that. Um, and I, uh, I don't know. I, 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 this, is this, this will be the second podcast that I have done where I'm in, in my new fully digitized uh, recording experience. So as I said on the last one I did, hopefully by the end of this, I actually have something to share, and it's not a blank recording. <laughs> because that, that's always the number one fear when you're producing a podcast is you get through the end of it and there's nothing there. <laughs> exactly. So, Kofi, I don't know if, exactly. Kofi, you've experienced that before or not. But, oh, 100%. Yeah. I, 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 forgot to, <laughs> I forgot to click record, and we started talking, and I was like, okay, you're not going to like this halfway. halfway so I'm like kind of got to start over again. that's why i make Repeat myself yourself. yeah that's why i always make myself yeah. record hit record twice on these things because you know stuff yeah. just just tends to happen so yeah so yeah so everything is like i had i, I got rid of my my analog mixer i got all oh, my a software setup that i bought like five years ago i'm finally using it and mm. uh so hopefully it sounds good hopefully my audio clips come through and uh hopefully everything works um you know, and we can get through today and, and forever and, you know, we just, we just get this thing going. So, okay. We have kind of a big show today. I'm calling this a big show because this is our very first time we have customers on the call. So we'll get to yeah. you, our customers in a minute. Um, these, these are some nice folks that I know here in Indiana, but uh, Kofi, um, you know, as, as you outlined in the beginning, you're, you're our resident Canadian expert. <laughs> Um, and I, it's, since it's been a while, there's been a lot of things happening yeah. in the world lately. So please give us, what is the latest news from Canada? Uh, well, I mean, there's first, I think like I've been traveling like crazy lately, so I don't know if any of you have got back on the travel train, but like, wow. Uh, not only is it horrible to get flights, uh, they're always canceled. Uh, they, <laughs> like it's like for people forgot how to make airlines run properly. Yeah. Yeah, um, no. you know, and that that's been horrible. I was actually in, in in Chicago the other day, and um, I wish I could play you the clip. Like I was at the hotel, and like literally tornado warning. It was it it, it came it came ripping through right near O'Hare. Um, all it was is like every ten minutes, the blue screen of the thing is like get to cover safety, <laughs> go down into go to if you're they basically go if you're in a trailer home, go somewhere else. Tra- damage will happen. I was like, holy man, this is serious. So then I look outside and I it's like nighttime, and it's not nighttime. It is black, 
And uh, I haven't seen one of those since like I used to go to like Minneapolis. So same, I don't know what it is about that area, but that seems to be common. So uh, um, summertime in the Midwest is what that's called. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Uh, and then for me, it's hot now, so I'm not freezing anymore. So that's, that's good. That's that's always good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I've done a little bit of traveling the last few months. I had to go to Phoenix for a customer thing, and then I was just out at a team event in Utah. And I was worried about the team event in Utah because there, there is this thing, if you're anybody who's traveling right now, there, there's a specific time you need to not travel. And that is at the end of a month or the beginning of a month around a holiday. Because when those three things happen, uh, there, because there is a national or international shortage of flight crews right now, pilots and flight crews themselves, uh, they tend to max out or hit their hours uh, and then that, that starts to cause massive cancellations. And they, when, when uh, certain other flight crews then go on PTO because of a holiday, you have this trifecta of cascading cancellations. And so I was flying to Utah right after Memorial Day and I'm like, this is not going to go well. And I mean, of course, I'm seeing the news like Delta's canceling 4,000 flights on Memorial oh, Day. And I'm no. like, oh, no. So thankfully, I actually did get there and back again and no, not, did not have a problem. But it was, I was quite shocked that, uh, you know, I made it I, through. Because you mentioned Salt Lake, I was just there as well. I went to PyCon this year, 2020. Oh. Have any of you ever gone to a developer conference? No. They're super cool. I've, I've, heard, so the, I've heard the PyCon is really cool. PyCon is like hardcore developer focus. Like it is, it is so cool. Like just some of the stuff, a lot of it was like, I, I would say maybe just half is like data science focused, like, cause everybody kind of uses those pieces, but we had somebody from NASA do one of the keynotes and they're working on the new telescope. So they discovered the black hole, right? And they're talking about how, you know, <laughs> they're using the earth as a reflective uh mirror like, like this telescope yeah. yeah like you know because and then she made a crazy joke like she goes you know the earth the, the earth is round or spherical it's not flat right it's just like proving <laughs> on her point but anyways it was just it was super cool like um but if you've never gone to a developer conference i would say you have to do it at least once so, right. duly yeah. noted that's it for me francis what's going on uh you know what PM keeps me contained. I don't go anywhere. Um, so haven't been anywhere. Haven't had to step on a plane, but you know, between the kids breaking their toes and whatnot. It's always something, right? Yeah, it, it is. It, yeah. It's always something. Now things been good. Um, you know, for those of those, those of you that know, um, I, I transitioned to the product management group only about three months ago. So it's, it's kind of been a journey. I, I mean, I used to be out in the field with all you guys and um, travel like crazy. And it, it's different on kind of the R&D and engineering side. So I've just been transitioning over here. Cool. Well, yeah. All right. Um, let's see here. I, I was going to say something and it just totally escaped my brain. So I hate it when that happens. But, it's okay we can circle back later but yeah i know there's there's always something but you know all right um let's let's start to talk through this stuff today so we have with us today um the team from indiana university healthcare 
and or maybe I even already said it wrong, even though you guys are my customers. I don't know. Um, Ryan Hulse, Tucker, Tucker Hewitt, right? Uh, you guys, I know you both locally. I see you occasionally. You're you're nice enough to actually you know respond to my you know invites to go out to lunch and stuff like that. So I appreciate that, and I doubly appreciate you uh, coming on the show today and talking to us about your experience with HCX. So Ryan Tucker, why don't you guys quick introduce yourselves and uh, we'll get into it. Yeah, so my name's Tucker Hewitt. I am the uh, um, lead automation engineer for the operations team for IU Health. I spend a lot of time doing a lot of cool things with some automation tools, um, you know, pretty much across the board. So anything from like VMware, um, we do a lot of Ansible, Terraform, things of that nature, getting into the salt stack, uh, you know, realm kind of uh, kind of making our lives a little easier in that fashion. Hi, I'm Ryan Hulse. I'm the uh, senior solutions architect for our data center operations team. Uh, our team manages all of our virtualization. So whether it's in uh, whether it's in Azure, um, GCP, or on-prem, and also we handle all of the storage as well. Yes. So the basically, it's it's one of these scenarios where if something's happening, the first question and everybody asks is, "Where's Ryan?" <laughs> <laughs> So, all right. Um, first of all, let me ask you both this initial question. Have either of you been on a podcast before, or is this your first time? Uh, long-time listener, first-time guest here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll have to concur with that. This is easily right. my first time doing this. All right, good. Well, um, so I'll, I, try, I'll, I try to keep it light with these things, but just here's, here's a little reminder for everybody on this call. Absolute honesty isn't always the most diplomatic nor the safest form of communication with emotional beings. <laughs> one, of, one of my all-time favorite quotes from the movie Interstellar. So, But, you know, and, and at the same time, you know, yeah, I think, I think we're here for the honest feedback. So, you know, let's, let's hear it all. And, uh, you know, that's why I can edit the show if I need to. So... <laughs> But at the, you know, so so let's let's kind of walk through some of the stuff initially here, and we'll just figure this out. But but realistically, warts and all, I think it's good to get this kind of stuff out there. Um, we we I've I've been working with you guys on on you know your transition in data centers for you know a number of years now, um, and then you know we we kind of talked through sort of like yeah how to how to get from A to B, what's the solution to do that. And HGX just kind of perkled up as like, this is the thing that, that we should, you know, really look at using seriously and getting this thing done. Um, so I guess at the outset, um, Ryan, why don't you kind of lay out a little bit of, if I, I don't have a go back in time sound effect, but I should have one of those, like the, the Wayne's World, you know, doo -doo -doo. Um, take us back to like 2019 or 2018 or whenever this was, the decision was made that the current data center that you guys were occupying was going to be demolished and kind of what sort of the, you know, how this was communicated to you guys and what sort of then that kicked into play into fruition. Yeah. The funny thing is I think we had this conversation. So I've been in this team since 2014 and I feel like every year we've had this conversation of, Hey, we're leaving the data center and we're going to have to move it. And, you know, after four or five of those, those years go by, you start to think it's not really going to ever happen. Um, but hey, 2019, they, they come to us and said, this is really happening. We are building a new hospital downtown Indianapolis and your building is the first one to be demolished and you need to be out by this, this date, right? Um, so 
that is when it finally became real for us. But, you know, and, and I always do find it funny because we literally had this conversation so many times before it actually really came to fruition. And then how, how much time window did they basically give you to move? Um, you know, so we found out that, hey, this is actually real. We are going to be moving. And we probably had a good, I don't know, I want to say four to six months to actually, I, at least I feel like to plan to, to really get serious about it and how we're going to execute this. Um, once we started that plan and, it, uh, you know, from execution, you know, we, we were able to move within six months. I think we had the, the move completely done. We had the bulk of it moved much faster than that, but we had some stragglers here and there that uh, we had to take care of. And, and not all of that was VMware related. That was some, you know, power, uh, power VM environment that had, you know, the HDX piece was a part of it, but, you know, we had to move everything, all of our physical hardware, networking, everything. So. And then like, you know, somewhere in the middle there, all of a sudden this, you know, this little event happened that, you know, kind of started to cause some problems. So what, what kind of was the, the businesses or, you know, the organization's response to you guys once COVID-19 officially became a thing? And you guys all of a sudden had to move. How did that impact things? Yeah, it, it definitely impacted because, you know, we got sent to work from home pretty quick um, during the pandemic. Um, and then, you know, if the pandemic wasn't enough of a challenge, Tucker and I both decided that having children in the middle of all of this also would make it more interesting. So, you know, that happened to both of us and to make it even more challenging. So the, the big challenge for us, though, was, Hey, now we're working from home, right? So we're not, I can't just tap Tucker on the shoulder or other teammates, you know, and, and have a conversation, you know, it all had to be, you know, a team is meeting and we had to get people coordinated. So it definitely made that part of it harder. Um, the actual standup, you know, especially around HCX didn't really impact us a whole lot because, you know, we're able to do everything we need to from home. We're able to get things scheduled, get things actually moving. Um, you know, we were still able to go into the data center, just had to take our normal safety precautions of wearing masks, you know, try to socially distance as much as possible. Um, it did impact us with bringing vendors in because, um, you know, there was a process that they had to go through to, to be able to get in, um, especially once the vaccine was a requirement, right? We you know, to make sure that uh, that was that was completed. Um, but that definitely made logistics, uh, you know, harder on us. Is this the time I can ask questions? Yes, yes, please. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I was actually interested, like maybe in the first part. So, um, and, and because I don't know, and I think it's good for everybody to understand the, you know, you have these projects and then how long does it take to, to plan and stand up, uh, you know, HCX? So there's always considerations. There's, there's pre-work that has to be done. There's, uh, you know, you have to look at, you know, which applications can we move or do we have visibility into? So I, I think this question is really for both of you um, to share your experience to either, you know, one with the initial portion, which is how did you go about prepping to stand up HCX? And then, you know, what would you advise for people who like GUI driven? And I don't know, Tucker, if you, you know, explored into the, um, you know, PowerShell capabilities um, and, you know, any advice uh, on that side, if you, if you used it. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, first of all, the, before we could stand HCX up, we had to have an environment at the new data center stood up, right? We needed to have a place to land. So once we get that stood up, the actual stand up of HCX is, is quite easy and, and, you know, can be done in a matter of hours. Um, and, and we had deployed it in our lab and tore it down and, and 
done it again and, 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 you know, tried to learn the ins and outs of the application um, before moving into production with it. So I, I felt like we had a pretty good understanding of how it was going to function. Um, and, and, and then, you know, we still learn things on the way and I'm sure we'll get into some of that. Um, as far as, you know, GUI versus that, I'll let Tucker talk about that a little bit here too, but, you know, automation was something that we learned very quickly. That's, you know, we're, we're talking about thousands of VMs that we had to move and over 950 applications, which we did define all the, our applications in VRNI before we deployed HCX. So we had a good understanding of, you know, if we moved application A, did we need to move application B and what other things did we need to take with it? So, um, but we quickly learned that, you know, clicking through a GUI to set up thousands of migrations was not going to be a feasible way to maintain this. So uh, Tucker wrote uh, some really good automation around that. And I'll let him kind of talk about that. Yeah, it was uh, so I got, kind of Ryan kind of came to me, and we'll go into this a little more in depth later. But uh, Ryan kind of came to me and said, you know, can we can we find a faster way to do this? Because he showed me how to do it through the GUI, and it was, um, you know, as, as the, the tool was super helpful, but the uh, you know for every every VM we wanted to migrate, it was a staggering amount of clicks, and I don't think you know for three thousand VMs that we necessarily wanted to do that, right? You know, so it, it um, is a lot of clicks. It really is. <laughs> So, you know, we spent some time kind of going through the documentation of VMware had, you know, I was going to take it from the API, but then within our, um, within our, you know, our, our, uh, our type time schedule was like, well, I'm going to go out here and see if they have anything within uh, power CLI to do this for me. And sure enough, you guys already had the HCX module written and, uh, very, pretty well documented. So, um, you know, as far as actually getting the scheduling going, um, you know, once you kind of understood the parameters, the inputs and how it was built within the, uh, within the, uh, power CLI module, um, easily the best way to do that um substantially faster and you know write some logic around it and you can basically entire the or automate the entire move of a data center i, lo I love how oh, you just fantastic. make that so sound so simple tucker <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we, just, we, did, we did this we deployed some stuff on power cli and we just moved an entire data center yeah i mean that's really all it was <laughs> so maybe maybe i'll take this back a little bit just to kind of underline that Without HCX, what would your migration look like? That's a good question. It wouldn't have been as fun. <laughs> um, definitely would not have been as fun uh, to, to move or as quick, right? Um, you know, one of the things that I think Tucker did really good job is making the the automation simple. We we tried to set off to make this as simple as possible to where we had project managers that all they all we had to do is fill out an Excel an Excel spreadsheet and then run. Uh, you know, we, we run his PowerShell and it goes and ingests that uh, Excel spreadsheet. And the next thing you know, things are moving. Things are replicating and moving when they're supposed to. Without that power uh, of being able to do that, I mean, we would have had a lot more fail failures. Um, we wouldn't have been alerted on those things as, as quickly as we wanted. Um, and and it, it just, it, we would have really struggled, I think, of understanding how much stuff got moved, how much more stuff needed to be moved when it needed to be moved, um, being able to schedule all of that. You know, I, I think about a way that you could have done that. Yeah, we could have probably scheduled some cross V center V motions, things of that nature, but um, you know, it, we would have lacked that. We would have had to build a whole platform just to, to try to maintain that and understand um, where we were at in the process and, and, and such. Yeah we would have had to create all the mappings of, Hey, if it's on this data, data store and, and site a, it needs to go to this data store and site B. And it would have made that just take a lot of time um, to get to that point where we could quickly and safely move things. And, and I think we would have, it certainly would have been a huge struggle and we wouldn't have had things like, you know, one of the great things with HCX is if I'm moving 
if I'm moving 10, 10 VMs that are similar, you know, there's a module that kind of dedupes that uh, data for you. So you don't have to move that 10 times, right? You move the bits once instead of 10 times. So using those types of technologies just made it so much easier for us and a, and a lot quicker to make those uh, replications. And, and, you know, they would have been straight V motions. They wouldn't have been replicated, right? Like we were able to, with HCX, schedule it. And for a week ahead of time, it was continually keeping up with replication. And then at the time that we wanted it to cut over, it cut over, right? It just had to sync its, its last changes and, and away it went. Um, we wouldn't have been able to schedule because, you know, vMotion works great, but there's no way to know or anticipate how long a vMotion is going to take, especially when you're doing it at a scale like this across a network um, yeah. to another data center. And so we wouldn't have been able to promise, hey, well, we can have your app cut over at 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. We just wouldn't have been able to do that. So I have a, that's a good point. I think maybe for both of you, as you looked at the replication strategies or just how you were, you were doing it. So clearly you, you, you know, you would look at it and, you know, you had an option to do, you can surely do vMotion, but as you know, it's too, like, it's fine for five, you know, a small number of applications, but it's not fine if you're trying to replicate like a hundred applications. Cause you're cut, like, to your point, you went through VRNI, you understood the uh, application associations, whether they're, you know, and their interactions. And did I have to move a bunch? And maybe it's a block of 50, you replicate those over. Um, did you, like, did you use bulk migration or did you use like replication assisted vMotion? I guess I, I didn't hear which one, but I was curious as to which one you used. So I would say we primarily used uh, RAV, which is the replicated assisted vMotion. That was what I would say about 95% of our vMotions uh, how, how we move things. Um, I, I would say a small, we, we use bulk too for things like powered off VMs that uh, we have around for whatever reason, right? Um, and then we we still had to use some, you know, inside of HCX, you can do a normal vMotion as well, right? Like you, you have that option. And there was some scenarios, um, particularly that was useful for us for large VMs or VMs with high change rate. We That was probably the one area that, you know, hey, if you want some feedback of how to improve the product, we just had a lot of problems with, around those. So, you know, we had one VM, for instance, that's 35 terabytes, right? Um, it would take 10 days to, to, to copy over and then try to keep up the replication. And then the replication failed and you got you had to start over from scratch, right? So you try that a couple of times and then you're like, okay, that's not going to work. So let's now let's try a vMotion, right? Or, you know, and, and then we had better success with that. It, it seemed like that was our struggle for us was those really large VMs or VMs that had a tremendous amount of change rate. And, and we didn't have a, a ton of those, but so, you know, we had, I, I would say we probably had about, I don't know, less than 50 of those that we, we had to kind of come up with another plan and, and, and use that method. But for the bulk of our environment, uh, the replicated assisted vMotion worked, worked flawlessly for us. I want to say that standard vMotion we had to use for pretty much anything over 10 terabytes. So we didn't, we didn't have a lot of those VMs that fit in that category, but there were certainly some. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's been part of the thing that you know hindsight I've seen after you guys finished this project and had the the kind of response like that's something I've seen other customers tend to have some you know struggles with where yeah the bigger the VM the harder it is to move and I think that's just true anywhere really because you know the more data you've got going on especially in these large databases and things um, they're especially the high the ones that are those high change rate applications. You know, when they're just constantly being written to, you know, any any utility is going to have a hard time moving that. 
Yeah, and I, I think it's important too to know that you know when we had those type of failures, right? Um, there was no impact to the end user, right? Like it did not cause an application issue. It was just a frustration on our side of okay, now what do I have to try different to try to get this to move? Um, right. That was that was probably the, the great thing is we didn't, I, I can only recall one ticket based on something that we moved to the new data center um, using HCX. And it really wasn't an HCX issue. It was a, more of a, a networking route issue. So, so it sounds like with replicated uh, system vMotion, you all stretch a number of segments over. So we did not. Uh, this is where we got lucky. So one of the benefits we had is our data center that we moved to was just a couple of miles away and we had dark fiber to that environment. So we were able to use our existing networking um, and kind of, you know, all of the racks there were just an extension of our it kind of appeared as an extension of our data center. So um, one of the things that we had to do is, you know, when we had our VLAN defined, the last part, uh, you know, once the last VM moved, then we were able to swing the route over to um, to the new data center. And, you know, I think one instance we had an issue with that. Um, so that that was the only issue that I can recall. But, you know, that made it that made it a lot easier on us. Now, we did as part of our testing um, before we chose, you know, and decided that, hey, we're going to go with HCX. That was one of the things that we had to test. We wanted to test in case this didn't work because a lot of this was just theory that we'd be able to um, just extend our layer to, you know, um, like an extension of our current data center with with our normal Cisco gear. Um, we wanted to make sure that hey, if that doesn't work, we have another another mechanism to do this. So we did thoroughly test being able to take our existing VLANs and extend them to the new data center, and would it be successful? And during all of our testing, uh, you know, everything worked really well. That's actually that's really good to hear. And then I just wanted to maybe touch on some of the operational pieces as you look at this, because I think you were like, as you were going through your post wave planning or during migration, you had, uh, you know, obviously UAT testing, right? So you said, basically, there's only a few VMs. It was more on a change process that happened. What was your average uh, number of workloads that you were moving? And then how long did it typically take for everybody to validate? Yeah, so we, uh, Tucker, what do you think? We were probably in, in the thick of battle. We were moving 50 to 100 a night um, uh, for, a, and the way we did it is we had a database that was built for this to track that had all of our VMs, and not just our VMs, it had all of our physical hosts, all of our VMs, everything in it that we needed to move. Um, you know, we walked rack by rack and record, made sure we had a good recording of everything. And then we put that all into a SQL database and built a dashboard around it. Um, and then we created this concept of waves, right? So wave one, you know, there was moves Monday through, you know, all seven days of the week. And, um, and what we tried to follow is we have maintenance plans for all of our VMs. Typically what happens in these maintenance uh, windows is like windows patching or Linux patching, things of that nature. We also took advantage instead of having to try to say, try to coordinate with everybody that says, Hey, your application, what time do you want us to move? Right. We, we tried to take advantage of that existing uh, maintenance schedule that we had. Um, so, what would happen is like Monday through Thursday would probably be a little lighter, but Friday through Sunday, you know, we had some that were Friday through Sunday. It was, yeah, it, yeah, it was very heavy. It got into a hundred plus um, every night. So um, yeah, that's huge. Uh, and um, I like the approach too, because we have some customers that just assume that you always have to use uh, like network extensions. I think it's a, it's a definite plus and it's, it's a great backup strategy, but it's very, very cool to hear, you know, you can do, you know, layer two 
if you if you know, of course if you have dark fiber and you know capable network teams that can can do that for you because it does it's one less piece you have to worry about um though there is inherent benefits of course uh you know um with the layer two extensions uh, of course swinging gateways over and different things like that but to your point like i'm super happy that that worked and you're actually able to highlight um a few things that we keep talking about in our other our other shows, right? So wave planning, and I love that. Uh, leverage automation, exactly, you know, like you said, where, where it's required because it's fine if you're doing like, you know, testing through the GUI, but like if you wanna get serious about, you know, to your point, wave planning and execution, scripting and automating it and having it a repeatable process that there's little errors and I don't have to worry about clicking the wrong thing you know, as I'm going through this, like eliminating human error, because to your point, like, what if I did this and I chose to upgrade VM tools on the fly while I was migrating? And then all of a sudden you're like, why did this, <laughs> what's happening right now? Yep. So I'm super happy that, you know, you, 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 you chose this path to, um, uh, for, you know, and actually design principles actually for these migrations, which is actually pretty cool. Um, what were you using to monitor while it was uh, while the while migrations were happening? A lot of sleepless nights watching the dashboard, right? Uh, <laughs> um, and, and we also wrote some uh, some reporting, right? Uh, one of the things I think that you know uh, another uh, another product enhancement would be the reporting, right? I mean, there there is some reporting function inside of the tool today, but uh, Tucker and I. We, we wrote something uh, using the power CLI, you know, using the power, you know, that would actually send a report out every night. So every night we got a report that had a, a PDF and Excel document attached to it and would tell us how many, uh, how many migrations occurred. It would have the Excel document that had all of the information of what VM, how big it was. You know, we, we put information in there, like how many CPU, how many, how much, or how big, how much memory, uh, disk size, I think it was another one, OS, you know, just kind of some basic information in there. Um, which also updated the database as well to let us know that the database had, uh, you know, that that migration has been completed. We can mark that off the list and we can move on to the next one. Um, so, Tucker, I don't know if there's anything there that you want to add. No, I was going to cover the database part as far as, you know, updating that same database he had mentioned, you know, that we were kind of leveraging to uh, track a lot of this stuff. You know, we didn't want to have somebody go in there and actually have to mark all this stuff out. So we we just took it upon ourselves to make sure that we updated that as well as sending out all these emails. And, you know, pretty much on a daily basis that way, you know, we just had a rolling update of, you know, what was going online on the environment, not only to us, but then, you know, to our executive leadership. And it would also give us, you know, not every migration was successful the first attempt, right? So it would also let us know here was the migrations that failed and here was the error code of why it failed, right? And then we would go research and, you know, sometimes it was maybe it fell out of its window, right? I think we learned a lot with replication, replicated assisted vMotion of, hey, if I have 40 VMs that need to go at from 8 to 9 p.m., they may not make it, right? Because depending on replicated, depending on the size of that VM, it might take five to 15 minutes per VM for that to go. Um, and we made some design decisions early that we probably learned a lesson on. Um, one of those is, you know, we have a large UCS presence and we kind of, when we, when we put HCX out there and, and, and design for it, we kind of did a, we didn't do a cluster to cluster. We kind of did a, a one to many or a many to many, uh, or I'd say one to many to where we had one set of HCX appliances that were moving multiple clusters to multiple clusters or to, to like one cluster. And that didn't work very well for us. So we ended up having to do a, a, another strategy of going, you know, 
every cluster got its own appliance to be able to make its own moves. Um, so we kind of learned that early on and, and kind of made that pivot to, to change that so we could do more migrations at the same time. Because if not, you know, if they're all going to the same place and they're all coming from the same place, they would stack up on top of each other and they might not all make it uh, because of that time frame. Yeah, I, I I do have a question on that because I mean this goes back to this is real world uh, stuff that you're bringing to us, so that's actually really good. So when you when you realized that you you were you know your your cutover windows weren't like they need to be shrunk, like how did that adjust? How did you adjust your wave plans? Like did you cut down the number of VMs? Did you just do the opposite where you extend the window? What was the remediation typically for that? So the remediation was to deploy more HCX, right? Um, and, and create some more plans inside there to, to be able to do that. Um, and, and like I said, what we ended up doing is just doing uh, a plan per cluster, basically. So every cluster had its own set of HCX appliances to be able to make the cutover happen. Um, it caused us to have more appliances and a little more things to manage. Um, but in the end, it, it allowed us to keep pace and move as many VMs as possible. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, cool. Yeah, you, you had to give Tucker something to do. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I gave Tucker plenty to do a couple times. Uh, <laughs> uh, one other very important lesson learned, and I think that we actually helped to get this added to the HCX documentation, is when you have say 800 to 1,000 replicated assist V motions going, do not, and I repeat, do not upgrade HCX. Um, because that does not go well. That will break your pending uh, HCX migrations, and now you've got to reset those up. And, and also another shameless plug for Tucker's automation, because when Ryan was a bonehead and did that uh, twice, um, it uh, <laughs> you know it made rescheduling all of that much easier. Yeah, so, I mean that's so, plugs for automation. Are you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tucker? Are you uh, are you sharing some of your stuff? <laughs> yeah, so now that you mention it, actually, we are um, we're we're in the process of scrubbing all that uh, scrubbing that actual code because it did have you know some proprietary domain information things like that. But we are going to publish it to GitHub. Yeah, that's so, huge. We yeah, Britain, get the link. No, yeah. So <laughs> as, as well, part I have of to use that, yeah, <laughs> as, as part of these guys giving their uh, VMware user group UserCon talk at the end of the month in Indianapolis. You know, Tucker's promised to include that as kind of a takeaway for attendees at the, at the conference. So if you're coming to Indiana for the Indiana VMUG UserCon, you know, come to our session, first of all. And second of all, we'll make sure that you get away with, with the, the GitHub links. And then I'll, of course, communicate that internally and broadly and everywhere else. So, um, yeah, because, I mean, this is, this is the kind of stuff that when customers take VMware's tools and turn it up to 11, you know, that, that's where really interesting things start to happen because, you know, it's smart guys like Tucker who make this stuff actually work. So besides like the deployment of the HCX, you know, infrastructure throughout, you know, to try to get this, these things deployed, or were there other things that you ended up applying automation strategies to, 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 to with Tucker as well or not? No, so really it was uh, around this, it was, it was primarily focused on, you know, the actual HCX migration. You know, there were a few things around uh, like the power VM um, migration, things like that, that we did a very minute, um, you know, level of automation around, but uh, you know, this is uh, HCX was easily the, the primary offender and, you know, the, the, the number one offender rather. And it's, um, that is 
solely because of the ease or the, the ability to do it right so i mean you know everything everything we have has you know has apis built in right to it um we didn't have a ton of time to do this you know between trying to migrate this and then everything else with the data center right um you know we spent any time that we could because the environment was the absolute bulk of our um mm-hmm. Was the absolute bulk of our migration, you know, as far as far as our as far as our team is concerned, right? There are other teams that have a lot of other, a lot of other things to do to make this work, but um, as far as automation goes, yeah, it was uh, HCX was the uh, was easily the the bulk of the automation work. Um, but primarily for yeah. for like deploying the infrastructure, though, not for not so like you didn't use it to like deploy wave plans and all that kind of stuff. No, you know, a lot of that stuff was actually done by a lot of our product manager. Um, okay. He did a lot of uh, a lot of that work. Um, but like, it's like kind of like Ryan said, we wanted to give him something that would, uh, you know, it was simple enough that even he could make this happen, right? That even he could run this if Ryan and I weren't available to actually do this. Um, we just plug it in here, just let it go. So wait, let me just make, make sure I'm understanding that correctly. So you had a, a project manager creating the actual migration waves in HCX and and executing them or just setting up the jobs? So he was defining it. So he had a spreadsheet, right? We just gave him a spreadsheet that we could then ingest. He would go through and fill that spreadsheet out, and then we would just execute um, execute the PowerShell script to actually run it into HCX. Okay. Yeah, and, and basically the spreadsheet just asked for, is it test or production or stage or some other environments, what the VM name was and the time, the, the time and date of the move, right? And then what would happen is, you, you know, they run a script with that, Excel document there, and it would it would ingest that, and then it would go into HCX and and program all of those uh, migrations. Um, so it wasn't just our project manager; like we had several people on the team that uh, were were able to take this and uh, kind of help kind of help Tucker and I really make sure that this was successful and took a load off of us once once that was done because I know we spent a lot of weekends and stuff babysitting this, make sure that hey the first few waves went really really well before kind of handing this off and letting other team members and, you know, manager used it, um, project manager used it, you know, other, uh, and a lot of other folks on our team did as well. Cool. So I guess try to, try, trying to start to get to wrapping this up. Um, what were kind of the, like, as you were getting kind of closer to this, so there was, uh, in the notes that I had before, there was somewhere around eight to 9,000 VMs that you guys moved. Um, and then as you kind of got into this and, and started, started kind of seeing, you know, yeah, this is going pretty well. Um, what were kind of the, the outcomes that, that folks within, you know, the, the various units that you're moving things around, were they really aware of any of the stuff as it was happening or like how, what was sort of the kind of sex, the date, the day two on the migration of this? What did that look like? Yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of shock and uh, <laughs> dismay, right? Like, I know my executive director at the time, I, you know, they couldn't believe that this was going as smoothly as it was going, right? That they expected some level of issues, and we just did not see those, right? Um, it went so smooth, and there was so little disruption that really day two, most people, in fact, our own team, right? We'd have to, that was probably one challenge is, find the VM, right? Where, you know, if we had something that we needed to do, what data center was it at? What vCenter was it in? Because we're talking about, you know, we have 20 plus vCenters within our organization. And sometimes finding something, you know, during the move, because it used to be here and now it's not. And and how do we update those records? There were some challenges around that. 
Um, but that was the biggest thing is just where is the VM now? We didn't really have issues of uh, the other issue I think too, that we had is as we move VMs day two here, we kind of, you know, we didn't have a brand new greenfield environment of all new hardware, right? We, we seeded enough hardware to start the moves. Once we got to a certain point, so we had to watch and kind of monitor the environment closely to understand when I can take hosts from my old data center and put them in the new data center, right? Um, and move chassis, right? So it was disconnecting UCS chassis and, and blades and moving those over to a new environment and then setting them up and then introducing them into the cluster and then doing more migrations. There was a lot of that type of work that was happening uh, kind of behind the scenes. And, and, and uh, But from day two, as far as, you know, my end user or our end users knowing anything was happening, most of them were completely unaware. Um, you know, we had change controls. We let them know it was moving, but they saw basically no impact from the move. And like I said, we only generated, we generated two tickets, the whole thing. One of them was from a VM that we moved, but it was more of a networking related issue. The second one is um, we had a team that moved a firewall that they didn't think was in use and come to find out it was in use. So that was the only other issue that we had. Um, and that wasn't HCX related, but the, for the whole data center move, those I'm only aware of those two tickets that ever were generated from it. So um, I, you know, and I think everybody was expecting way more issues than that. So that was awesome to see that we did not, we just didn't see those issues. I, I see I, this as an absolute win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do yeah. too. I mean, yeah. I, I would argue, like, I mean, I'm not even going to, it's not about arguing. I mean, I would just say, I think traditionally we've been conditioned that any kind of migration, like if you think historically, like application migrations, new service, like there's always something, right? Yeah. Um, and this isn't the first time I've heard it. Like there's always like, okay, there's a few issues, like to your point, it's like, well, these kind of failed, but whatever. It wasn't really disruptive to the people. We just have to roll back whatever it is. And it's not, it's not disruptive, i.e. Right. I don't have a production outage of something that's happening. These are production workloads moving from one location to another seamlessly with no disrupt well the minimum amount of disruption possible and businesses sit there going like i didn't even know that this was possible yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I mean most right. most of our vms that moved they dropped a packet maybe two packets and that was that was the extent of the outage of a move so and yeah. and all of our applications could take that without any issue um, any any kind of last thoughts about, about about you know you know any really with with VMware and and this this move and then like you know anything you would have done differently I guess you know having completed things now uh, you know the two things I would have done differently I think I touched on already I, I would have done more service meshes right I would have done a service mesh per per uh, per cluster. Uh, and then I also would not have done upgrades. And that is one thing that's interesting is HCX is pretty aggressive with how the upgrades come out. And sometimes we had an issue with something and maybe VMware support said, hey, let's upgrade that. Um, so we just have to time those very carefully to make sure that there's no replicated assisted vMotions that are that are happening in, the, in those. Um, those are probably the two biggest takeaways that I had. Tucker. No, you know, I, I kind of have to agree with that around the service meshes, you know, just kind of watching that and, um, you know, the, the vCenter to vCenter type of method that we tried initially was uh, was not panning out very well just based upon the volume amount of our, the volume of VMs and data we're removing. So, you know, we quickly learned that one. So that's something that I would definitely take back. Um, and as far as around the automation piece, you know, um, I haven't, I haven't looked at the HCX module in quite some time, but, um, you know, I have no, really nothing but good things to say about that. I do wish there was a little bit more as far as the monitoring and the, um, um, 
as far as the monitoring portions of that go and reporting, but um, by and large, the actual scheduling, stopping, starting functions of it are, were, you know, fantastic. So nothing but good things there. Yeah. And I think, I don't remember which version you guys were on at the time. I think you were in the 3.5 train somewhere around there. Um, so there's a lot of things that have been added into the tool post your guys' project and monitoring of, of jobs and the... Um, even some of the estimation of how long it's going to take to complete a job, that's all in the tool now. So, so there, there are additional things that, that we took as you know, feedback from customers like yourselves and rolled into the tool that's there now for those kinds of things. And even as, it, as we get, get into a point of full integration with VRNI, um, there's even going to be ways to kind of monitor you know, a lot of these things directly inside of VRNI as you're moving with HDX. So um, a lot of that is happening. Um, and, you know, if you want more information, anybody listening about some of those things, go back and listen to the last uh, HGX Majors podcast with, with Mr. Martine Smith, where we talked in more detail um, about the, the HGX integrations with VRNI. So, Kofi, uh, Francis, any last questions before we wrap it up here? I don't, but thank you so much. It's always good to hear. Yeah, this was a great session. I took some notes. I will be taking it back to product, believe cool. it or not. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Right. Now, Ryan Tucker, again, thank you guys. Um, this has been great. And, uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to, you know, being, you know, center stage with you guys at the VMUG in, in Indianapolis here um, on June the 29th. And uh, I think it'll be a good time. And we'll, we'll walk through this in a lot more detail. We'll even have slides um, to kind of go through this thing and, and sort of, you know, show, show everybody kind of what, what all your hard work was. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really kind of there just to, you know, be the VMware facilitation of what the product is. I'm really going to let you guys just tell your story and, and kind of, you know, outline, you know, yeah, what, what this, you know, brought and how, how it helped. And especially, you know, in the middle, I think that that that's to me the, the coolest point of this whole story is how you guys were able to do this in such a short period of time in the middle of a pandemic that, you know, nobody never, nobody knew what to expect back then because everything was changing literally daily. And, and you guys having to deal with this because, oh yeah, we've got wrecking balls, you know, sitting outside the building. Um, you know, that, that's high pressure situation. So, you know, um, you know, kudos to you guys for doing, you know, really hard work during a really difficult time. Thanks for joining us for everybody. Uh, I will sign us off and uh, we will talk to you all again next time. And until we see you again, thanks for joining us. And please come out to the Indie V Mug and meet us all in person. Thanks for listening to the HCX Majors podcast. Thanks to Ryan, Tucker, Kofi, and Francis for joining us today. If you're listening to the show, please rate us on your podcast app of choice, and please share it so others can find us. Again, be sure to come out and join us in the Indianapolis User VMUG on June 29th. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time. Thank you.